it's an early morning for Andy Bear. Good morning, Internet. <laughs> it is an early morning for Andy Bear. The, the time change between the Eastern Standard Time and Pacific Standard Time is, is wrecking Andy Bear right now. He literally rolled out of bed, what, 15 minutes ago? Yeah, that's about right. I'm actually still yep. laying in bed. I have my microphone hooked up, and <coughs> Mercedes is right here. That is false, <laughs> and thankfully false, because right, I could actually see him, and that would be awful. Um, brothers and sisters, hello. Happy Saturday. At least when you hear this, it'll be Monday or whatever, but we're recording this um, on, a, on a Saturday morning, um, and uh, Hannah B. and I, my daughter, uh, we're we're gonna attempt to go to uh, an Ohio State football game today, but mm. literally the forecast is torrential downpour <laughs> uh, and high winds. So so we'll see we'll see how that goes, Andy Bear. It's supposed to be a balmy fifty seven degrees today, Ooh. so I'll be probably be shirtless and uh, it'll be it'll be great. Hey, they don't really now, um, for football games. I mean, I I remember seeing. I've always seen footage of like crazy weather during games. I mean, do they? Is there a certain point in which they will actually cancel, or, or do uh, only if it's lightning? Okay, that's all that matters. Yep, but yeah, torrential <laughs> downpour. Game nah, on! Playing. This this is the Big Ten, buddy. This is how this is how we do. So uh, yeah, I know. So anyway, that should be exciting. But uh, speaking of shirtless, I want to talk about Roy Moore today, uh, and um, you know. Holy cow! I mean, this whole, this whole thing of people coming forward and, um, uh, you know, it, 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 I still, still not sure how to best talk about all of this because, you know, when, when, um, uh, it's very easy to kind of sit in a in a room and talk abstractly, and then you hear all the stories of what women have had to put up with and i mean mm -hmm. it's just horrific um but the roy moore thing i think is interesting because it it inter intersects between politics evangelicalism uh and this whole movement going on in our country about you know shining light into dark places mm. and uh so so i want to talk i, I want to spend a little time kind of reviewing um, because uh, there's some implications I want to explore. So, so for those of you that don't know, or maybe you don't know the full story, I've spent, I don't know, I got like 20 pages of notes uh, on this, um, you know, from all sorts of news sources and, and whatever else. So, so anyway, uh, I think it was a week ago or two, the Washington Post reported uh, that a 53-year-old woman uh, accused Moore of initiating sexual contact with her in 1979 when she was 14 and he was 32. So that that was the initial kind of bombshell was this report. Um, and then three other women came forward and said they, they were approached by him uh, between the ages of 16 and 18. Of course, Moore uh, completely denies the allegations. And, and it was an interesting sort of thing because he starts, his first denial was... Um, that sounds out of character for me. Uh, I would never date someone without the permission of their mother. Um, and then, and then the the accusation or the the denials have gotten a bit stronger. Um, you know, this is part of a conspiracy. The timing of this, of course, is suspicious. Um, you know, right right when he's running for the Senate. Um, so so uh, and then and then a, a, a big one, a big bomb dropped. Um, a, a woman named Beverly Young Nelson came forward. Um, and that she was, um, she was sexually assaulted. It wasn't just 
like hit mm. on, but that she was sexually assaulted when she was 16. And then there are two other women that have come forward as well. So, huh. um, yeah, and and one of the women um, uh, more denied ever knowing her, and um, and and then she produces a yearbook that has his signature and a to her from him. Oh. Um, Too and, cool to be forgotten. Oh yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. To a sweeter, more beautiful girl, I could not say Merry Christmas. So um, anyway, and and so he's he's a DA at this point, and he's signing you know high school yearbook. So oh so so then then when you think it's it's okay, well this is this is definitely odd. Um, then his wife posts on Facebook a letter of support from fifty Alabama pastors. Um, so she posted on her Facebook page, and you know obviously many evangelicals are quick to condemn those that are still supporting this guy, but then you find out. Several days later, that, that 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 the list was copied and pasted from an endorsement page um, uh, of his candidacy, and had nothing to do with whether or not they still supported him in light of the accusations against him. Oh, so God. she hadn't even gone to the pastors and said, "Hey, do you still support my husband?" She just posted this letter as if, in light of in light of the issue. So the thing was totally. Uh, it was it was almost hoaxy in the sense that people uh, people on that list were saying no one ever contacted me about the allegations. She just cut and pasted a, a copy of the letter. Um, one of the one of the more ridiculous. Um, Wait, this gets uh, more ridiculous. Yes, <laughs> yes. So, so, so more, of course, has, you know, has played the, the timing card, which, you know, obviously in politics, that's suspicious, right? This same thing happened to President Trump right before the election, um, when a bunch of accusations come forward. So no doubt there's, there's political motivation behind it, but this is also in his mind, a war against conservative values. Um, um, but, but the, some of his evangelical support hasn't wavered at all. Um, because most see dirty politics behind this, uh, but one, but once an Alabama state auditor, uh, here's was here was his defense: take Joseph and Mary. Mary was a teenager. Joseph was an adult carpenter. They became parents of Jesus. There's nothing immoral or illegal here. Maybe just a little bit unusual. <laughs> so, so <laughs> you, we talk about. You talk about uh, a little weird, um, uh, and, and never mind the fact that Mary and Joseph didn't have sex, according to the Bible. <laughs> yeah, <let's>, um, <laughs> yeah, how about that? <laughs> there was no contact. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, it, it's just, and then, and then a poll comes out that that said um nearly 40% of Alabama evangelicals said in a new poll that they are more likely to vote for more following the allegations of sexual misconduct against him okay so the headlines and and this this is a bit disingenuous the headlines that came out of this was like the the idea was well evangelicals are cheering on a guy because He's a child, you know, molester, dater, or whatever, weirdo, whatever. Yeah. Um, and, and that's not necessarily true. Um, 
But the poll found uh, 37% of evangelicals said the allegations make them more likely to vote for the GOP Senate candidate in the upcoming elections. 28% said less likely to vote, and 34% said they, it made no difference in their decision. <laughs> and 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 one of the one of the things that's been said, of course, is um, in fact, uh, an Alab- uh, let me try to find it. An Alabama political operative was uh, quoted as saying, um, "Oh, let me find it. Let me find it. Let me find it." Because he his point was the Supreme Court, um, which is you know exactly what Donald Trump got you know, voted in on was who cares what the guy's like, we need the Supreme Court. And here's this guy that's likely to vote against, you know, we need, we need a a Christian value guy. Um, Oh, I can't find it. It was so good. I mean, it was just, it was beautifully honest. It was just like, yeah, I know, but we need a we need a senator that will you know stand up for Christian values and blah 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 blah. So so I think what you've got you know that poll uh, that poll can be read a lot of different ways. I don't I don't think Alabama evangelicals are like supporters of sexual assault. I I think that there's a sense that this is a big you know sort of comp- conspiracy. This is a big oh yeah uh, political um, witch hunt. And so, uh, so they've kind of doubled down on that. Now, now there's so that's kind of the facts of the thing, which is which is just crazy. And, um, and, and fact fact is in Alabama, according to my recent googling, was that um, <laughs> yes, with parental consent, you can get married as at as young as sixteen. Yep. But uh, yeah. Yep. So so and that's that's been some of the the play too. Is hey that that was a cultural thing back in the seventies. Um, but, but then, then news came out that, that Moore had actually been banned from a mall because he was stalking teenage girls. So, so now, now again, I mean, Uh. what, uh, whether or not this is true or whether or not you, you, you know, you're offended or not offended, right? That I want to set all that aside. I, I have no idea if it's true or not. I mean, the evidence seems pretty compelling to me that that those are pretty serious accusations. And unless he can refute them, you know, he is unfit to run for Senate. But, you mm-hmm. know, there are lots of people that think, well, there's no evidence yet except right. a signed yearbook and the testimony of these women. So, okay, regardless of where you stand on that, why is it that evangelicals um, would double down on a guy like this? Um, uh, David Brooks wrote a really, really interesting article. So he's a columnist for the New York Times. And um, he he thinks it's something called a siege mentality. Oh, I read this. Work. Yeah, okay. You were the, okay, so let I me quote some of it. Um uh, he said, uh, I'd say the siege mentality explains most of the dysfunctional group behavior these days on left and right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the siege mentality starts with a collective sense of victimhood. 
It's not just that our group has opponents. The whole culture, the whole world is irredeemably hostile to us. From this flows a deep sense of pessimism. Things are bad now. Our enemies are growing stronger and things are going to get worse. The world our children will inherit will be horrific. And I've heard language like this from people. Yeah. Uh, the siege mentality floats on, and I love this line, the siege mentality floats on apocalyptic fear. And, and then he says, the odd thing about the siege mentality is that it feels good to the people who grab onto it. It gives its proponents a very straightforward way to interpret the world. The noble us versus the powerful and evil them. Right? It gives us a social identity. It offers a ready explanation for why bad things are happening. Mm -hmm. uh, most of all, he says, it gives uh, uh, people a narrative to express their own superiority. We may be losing, but at least we're the holy remnant. Mm -hmm. We have the innocence of victimhood. We are martyrs in a spiteful world. And, and, and clearly political machines whip this up with the help of media to, to prey on this apocalyptic fear, right? This is what, uh, even as a football coach, I would, you know, the world's against us. No one believes in us. You know, there's this sense like you would build this brotherhood out of, out of the siege mentality in a small way. I mean, now we've got collective, like the entire nation is feeling this way in different groups, mm -hmm. right? The left is under attack. Uh, the right is under attack. The Christians are under attack. The Muslims are under attack. Uh, like everybody now is just kind of in this siege mentality. Uh, he said the siege mentality also excuses the leader's bad behavior. When our very existence is on the line, we can't be worrying about things like humility, sexual morality, honesty, and basic decency. In times of war, all is permissible. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Because our group's survival is at stake, brothers and sisters. And in the end, he says, uh, the siege mentality ends up being self-destructive. Hmm. Uh, the groups smitten with this filter out facts that don't agree and become more extreme versions of themselves, leading to further marginalization. Hmm. That was that they was take, the, the quote that 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 I remembered. I'm reading that. Yeah. Yes, they take mainstream loathing as a badge of honor and wind up taking pleasure in their most unattractive instincts. Mm -hmm. the, the siege mentality ends up displacing whatever creed the group started with. So for evangelical Christians, um, you know, we had a very incredible model of servant leadership in our Jesus, but now have fallen for um, Donald Trump, the gladiator of pagan leadership, according to Brooks. Um, so many, you know, many, many groups feel under assault, blah, 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 blah. Um, so today's, today Christians are more likely to argue that the liberal order itself is intolerant towards faith. Social justice warriors are prone to argue that America is racist and oppressive. The evil is inherent in the basic structure. And so the siege mentality is actually more acute now. It's not mm. just people, but it's actually in the structures of human society as well. So, yeah. Yep. So, so. Again, agree or disagree. This is a very interesting. This is a very interesting sort of thing, and it is the opposite, the exact opposite view that we're to have as followers of Jesus. Hmm. 
right? The, the last thing followers of Jesus are to be, you cannot be a peacemaker and, and believe the, the siege mentality. You cannot be somebody who blesses your enemies and hold the siege mentality. You cannot be somebody who operates from a position of abundance and blessing if you see yourself as a victim of the powers and the principalities, right? I mean, yeah. you just cannot embody the teachings of Jesus if you are holding anesthetically on to a view of the world that says they're the bad guys, we're the good guys, um, and uh, whatever whatever it takes to hold on to power, to hold on to cultural power, political power, whatever is worth it in the name uh, not only of our survival but in the name of our children's future and blah 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 blah. Mm -hmm. And so so I, I, I've just been thinking about the siege mentality and how different that is from. Um, what, what the instructions were given to the, the Israelites in exile, hmm. right? There's this very famous passage in Jeremiah where God has said to the southern kingdom of Judah, uh, you will be in exile for 70 years. Uh, I will not be speaking to you for 70 years. Uh, if anyone claims to be speaking uh, to you, I am uh, not with them, so ignore them. Um, and then he says, you know, for this very famous verse, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, blah, blah, blah. Mm. But in the middle of that, there, there are instructions to the exiles to seek the good of the city in which they reside. Yeah. To be a blessing to the city, because when it prospers, they will prosper. So the, the absolute, the opposite of the siege mentality is to seek the blessing and the flourishing of those around you. Yeah. Right. To come from a position to come from a position of, listen, uh, I don't have to be threatened by this. My my I'm not a victim. Um, I'm not um, the ends do not justify the means mm -hmm. because you cannot do Jesus's work unless you do it Jesus's way. End of story. Any other way of doing Jesus's work is not Jesus work. I mean, in, mm. end of story. It's that clear. Yeah. And so so you have this this mentality that I, I, I see. I mean, and I see it because of course I've experienced it. If you just, if all you live on is a steady diet of Fox News or MSNBC or whatever, I mean, like they, the, they there's a financial interest in, in people stoking this um, apocalyptic fear in us, right? That's yeah. how you raise money. That's how you get people to vote. That's how you remove apathy, right? Mm. I mean, you, you just kind of, Right. You it's our survival. You got to be in or you're out. Yeah. If you're not, if exactly. you're not for our, our long-term survival, then I guess you're with the enemy. <laughs> this is, this is absolutely, um, you know, the, the, the most, uh, important time. And, and it seems like every presidential election yeah. that we've had for the last 30 years has been, this is the most important le election in our lifetime, right? The Supreme court's at stake, the blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And, um, and so it's just, it's just fascinating because we all experience siege mentality in different ways. Uh, we're just speaking politically now, but I also, I just see in the church and I see on the people kind of this Roy Moore guy. I mean, it's all apocalyptic stuff. This is warfare. This is blah, blah, blah. And people doubling down on it and supporting him. Uh, and again, not everybody. And it was just a poll of Alabama evangelicals and i'm not saying I, i'm not making a judgment on that at all other than just saying it's interesting if the siege mentality is true uh what it does to our political discourse what it does to our churches what it does 
to warp the way that followers of Jesus are to actually see the world, mm-hmm. right? The battle is not against flesh and blood, uh, but against principalities and powers. Yeah. Um, we are actually conquerors in Christ and not victims, yeah. right? We're to be peacemakers and to show mercy and to bless enemies and not just hole up with people who think and act uh, and are afraid like us, mm-hmm. right? It's a completely, completely different thing. Not only... So that's one issue is the siege mentality that perhaps it's behind it. But another issue is what it does to our witness to the world, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, because you, you've got what it, what it looks like is that, that the word evangelical has ceased becoming a religious descriptor and now is a political descriptor. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Um, yep. And because the, the evangelicalism has, has simply become the religious wing of the Republican Party. Mm. Um, and and continued support of, mm. you know, uh, then you have Donald, uh, our president, tweeting out, uh, uh, you know, Al Franken, there's this big accusation against another senator, Al Franken, and and there's a picture that goes with it. It was super offensive. And then, and then Donald Trump, who's been accused by 20 women of sexual misconduct, you know, chimes in and jumps on that. I mean, it's just absolutely, absolutely crazy. How do people of God kind of be... Uh, in here, and I, and I think one of the ways we have to do is we have to take this stuff really, really seriously, right? We believe yeah. in sin, so we're never surprised. Um, and and because because we we are throwing political support around people that um, are are uh, at least don't come across as the most moral kinds of people. Um, it looks like we care more for political power than we do victims, right? Right. Right. It looks like we care more for holding on to political power and advancing an agenda than it does for the mar- than it does than we do standing with the marginalized or the oppressed, right? right. Which is war menta- which is still war mentality because it's kind of like, well, you know, you got to crack some eggs to make an omelet. You know, it's just it's like, <laughs> well, if we want that Supreme Court then, yeah, I guess, you know, some things are just going to have to be overlooked even if that affects the the unfortunate poor will of of victims. Right. Right. So you know, one of the things that that the political left in our country has done well the last, I don't know, two or three weeks has been to be consistent in their cry out against sexual um, uh, sexual uh, assault, sexual misconduct, sexual mm-hmm. um, uh, abuse. So even when one of their own kind of gets caught, you know, they were they were all over him. Yeah. Um, the problem, if we're not consistent in that same way, is um, uh, we we lose any moral standing to speak out about you know LGBTQ issues, divorce and remarriage, uh, premarital sex, uh, adultery, right? If if it just looks like we're unwilling to clean our own house because we're holding on to political power, um, then then we lose any moral standing, and people mm-hmm. see our hypocrisy mm-hmm. um and and it, it's one of those you know mm. uh it, 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 if if people in um under the siege mentality just automatically assume regardless of the facts of the case there's no way this guy can be guilty yeah and even if he were guilty well he's we still need him because of you know what he'll do for the supreme court or the laws of the land or whatever um, man, I just think that is that is such toxic thinking. Oh yeah, that will that that has resulted and will result in the loss of an entire generation uh, believing that 
um, evangelical Christianity is a good thing. See, evangelical, the, the word um, comes from a, a Greek word called good news. And uh, one historian said the key marks of evangelical Christians were these. The belief that lives need to be transformed through a born-again experience and a lifelong process of following Jesus. Expression and demonstration of the gospel and missionary and social reform efforts. A high regard for and obedience to the Bible as ultimate authority. And a stress on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and the cross as making possible the redemption of humanity. Those were the four big distinctives mm -hmm. of evangelical Christians. Yeah. Right? Is that what we're known for now? <laughs> no. Right? Absolutely not. Uh -uh. Absolutely not. Gosh. And you know, it's, it's just, it's, you know, what's funny is that here's the thing. Like I grew up, if, if someone said like, I told someone I was a Christian, they were like, well, what do you mean? What kind of Christian? I'm like, oh, I go to, I go to a non-denominational church. That was right. my way of identifying the type of Christian I was, meaning I wasn't in, you know, I wasn't Episcopal, I wasn't Lutheran, I wasn't Presbyterian, I wasn't Catholic. Like the only identifier I had was that I wasn't in that type of sect of Christianity. I actually personally never identified with the identity terminology of evangelical Christian. I believed that in my faith, I was to act evangelical based on evangelism, evangelizing. Right. But I never like, I never took on to that structure. Like it was literally only into the past, you know, three or four years that I, I became aware of more of like, oh, okay. When I didn't realize there's these anchors of that terminology for this kind of idea of Christianity, I just looked at the idea of evangelism as an action word of something right. that was a part of my faith. So it's it's interesting in this whole process because like, you know, so many folks that have taken on that identity are saying, well, I'm, I'm that's not me. I'm leaving it. But it's right. like, but then I think it feels like they feel compromised now that, well, now I'm not evangelical in my faith. Because I now I don't have that terminology. And it's funny because I don't feel that compromise because I'm like, well, I don't I never identified under that kind of thing. I've always yeah. just looked at like I am evangelical in my practice of faith, but I've never identified myself with quote unquote evangelical Christians because when I everything I actually know about that is what I see now. And I've known I've, I've felt that way for the past three or four years. Like when I see right. that, I'm like, well, that's they're referring to this other thing that's kind of roped up in politics and some of this other stuff. And I look at myself and I look at them. I'm like, oh, that's just not me anyways. Right. So it, it's just interesting how far marginalized now that term is going to get packed into its tie with politics. And, and I, just, I just have to wonder, like, does that particular type of identity just die off with this generation eventually? Yeah. And then what, what is, and then, then what I'll be so curious to hear if that was almost a former identity nature of a certain type of Christianity that just maybe no longer even exists. I, I don't know. It's, it's interesting yeah. because it's, yep. th those are human pillars, right? I mean, when right. I look at those right. things, those are outworkings of things we saw in the gospel and outworkings that we saw in how Paul would talk about the authority of the of scripture and the authority of God. And so it's like we as humans identified language to then put on what what Christ is. And so right. that's that is just interesting to me It's like, well, I, I right. wonder if this is God's way of saying, like, you know what? It's a bit more nuanced than that. And it's a bit bigger than that. And maybe that needs to fall off. Well, one very significant uh, religion reporter. Uh, that I follow on Twitter wrote uh, wrote an article that just said, "Hey, it's time to ditch the evangelical label. Hmm. Like, like let the let the let the politicized uh, Christians have it. Yeah, because that's all it means to people now. Mm -hmm. Is is the part of the Republican Party that 
um, you know, is anti this and anti that and pro this and pro that, but they're not known for love. They're not known for grace. They're not known for unity. They're just known for, uh, adherence and trust in political power. Yeah. And so, so I, I, a couple of quotes from his article I thought were interesting. Um, I am convinced that evangelical no longer means what it once did. As for all the Jesus-following religious people it's supposed to describe, it's doing more harm than good. Um, uh, evangelicals were theological conservatives who smiled, engaged culture, were happy to share their faith. But the label and reputation became marred over decades of culture war politics and an often hostile relationship with the rest of culture over divisive social issues. Mm -hmm. um, and, and what was damaged has become irreparably broken over the course of last year's presidential campaign, obscuring the existence of millions of non-stereotypical non evangelicals who are not white, anti-gay, anti-environment, anti-social justice, or not automatically Republican. Um, and now, and probably for a long time, evangelical communicates a political fact more than a religious identity. Mm, yeah. That is huge. Yeah, the fact that 81% right of white evangelicals voted for Donald Trump and many of evangelicals' most prominent leaders have wholeheartedly embraced him and his presidency. Hmm. Uh, the point here is not to add to the barrage of liberal criticism of Trump and his supporters, rather to worry about the standing of evangelicals, Christians more broadly, outside the 30-something percent of the public bubble where the president can do no wrong yeah there it is um, yep yep uh yep. to the public face to the rest of Amer most of the rest of americans the public face of evangelicals has become a snarl not a smile and the mm -hmm. prospect of interacting with them is the opposite of good news <laughs> so so uh and then he goes on to the fact that there are loads of people trying to reclaim the word evangelical there are loads of people trying you know or who are simply just walking away um, he, he says, uh, you know, he quotes some people saying, Hey, it's time to bury, let the political evangelicals have the word evangelical. Um, and he, he meant not just abandoning the word, but the religious community uh, itself. Hmm. Um, uh, but given the baggage it's taken on, this guy says the term is probably not salvageable. The effort to redeem it is probably not worth the cost and time and energy. Um, uh, not to imply that faith and evangelism are primarily a public relations gamut, but Christians dedicated to sharing the gospel need to communicate effectively. That means avoiding terms that fail to register with listeners or worse yet, repel them. Mm -hmm. Old school Christianity is a lot of problematic jargon of this sort. Mm. Propositions like God is a plan for your life and being salt and light mean nothing to the growing number of people not steeped in church culture. Mm. The term evangelical is even more problematic. It's not, it isn't a lack of meaning, but too much meaning of the negative variety. Mm. It is inaccurate when it comes to a newer generation of evangelicals. Yeah. It's not a question of losing their religion, but for the sake of being properly understood. Now, this is so important. It's not a question of losing their religion, but for the sake of being properly understood, it's time for a new label to the kind of faith being practiced by younger evangelicals. So one of the very interesting... So you have, on the one hand, you have this siege mentality. And the question is, how do we how do we get out of that um, and, and engage? And you have to in order to engage. Um, one one 
proposition is we just ditch the term evangelical and just say, well, that's a political thing. That's not a religious thing any longer. And I'm all for that. I mean, I, this, this is my tribe, you know, those four things, I'm all for those. Mm -hmm. Um, and I would have identified myself as an evangelical Christian Mm -hmm. if pressed upon, you know, what sort of, what sort of distinctives would you hold? Yeah, sure. Historically. Uh Sure. I mean, Uh I'm not Eastern Orthodox. I'm not mainline Protestant. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say, yeah, evangelical. Yep. I can't do that anymore. Don't want to do that anymore. You know, uh, I think his his points are valid and good. It does more harm than anything. Right. And and what we've lost, I, I think, in this is something we've talked about before. But it's the idea. So when Paul says something, when he says things like, "Our citizenship is in heaven," um, or or we are ambassadors of reconciliation. So think about what an ambassador is for a second, right? So let's mm-hmm. say I'm an ambassador to Zimbabwe uh, mm-hmm. um, uh, on the basis of uh, the United St- for, or from the United States to Zimbabwe. I'm an ambassador. I live in Zimbabwe, but I, I, I have this little piece of territory that is considered uh, American soil, right? The embassy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and so when I'm in Zimbabwe, of course, I'm advancing American interests. Of course, that's my, my job. And of course, I'm going to have very strong uh, political views on what 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 party best, what ruling or governance or whatever best advances American interests in Zimbabwe. But my role as an ambassador means that my preferences don't dictate the job I have to do with whoever is ruling mm-hmm. Zimbabwe. Yes. Correct. Yes. And, and for me, that's always been such an incredible image of the role of the church is that we're ambassadors of an entirely different reality. We're ambassadors of a new humanity. And of course, we can have opinions on, um, on policies and procedures that, that help advance the kingdom. But our job is to be an ambassador to whoever it is that's holding power in the kingdom of the world. Mm-hmm. It's, to, it's to be bearers of good news to whoever it is. It's to be peacemakers to whoever it is. We, we stand on a little bit of turf that is called the kingdom of God. And because of that, we're not defined by Zimbabwe politics. We're not defined by United States politics, right? Mm-hmm. We're, we're an ambassador of an, a completely different order. Right. And of course... We're honest in saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like in Zimbabwe, I I represent American interests. And of course, I am somebody that would love to see the kingdom of God flourish on earth as it does in heaven. I would love to see uh, policies that are just, policies that promote life, policies. I'd love all those things. But that is secondary to my job as an ambassador. And I feel like we flipped it now where what the siege mentality has done has been to make us so afraid that we that we we cease becoming ambassadors and ministers of reconciliation but in, instead of purveyors of a of a small uh, christianized worldview that is far different from actually following Jesus in the world mm-hmm. you know it's the it's the it's the christianized worldview that actually gets in the way of following Jesus yeah. Well, and in, in, in contrary to what you just said about ambassadorship and us not being of this world and, and all those kinds of ideas. if Not you, of this world. Not of this world. We if should stay, make bumper stickers. <laughs> I think it'll be huge. If, um, if you stay consistent with that, it's like, okay, well, then the role of an ambassadorship in addition isn't to try not like to then overcome the kingdom around you. 
right? right? It's to represent the best interest of how your partnership with that kingdom works in light of the other kingdoms in around you. Like, right. and so it's interesting how all of a sudden, I mean, cause then you, you go back to our siege mentality thing and looking at the evangelical right, it's like, well, you know, this is, if, if we want to advance God's kingdom, then like, you know, you, America better look like God's kingdom. And the only way to right. do that is then if we do this, we do that X, Y, Z in politics. And, right. you know, that is not, um, that right there immediately is inconsistent, you know, with the, uh, the analogy there with Paul. So right. it's problematic. No, that's it. And, and, and the thing, the reason I wanted to get into this was just to, and again, I'm not, I don't know if these accusations are accurate. I don't know. Um, you know, I, I, there's a difference between politics and law. So do I think this should be a political death sentence? Sure. Um, does that mean there are legal consequences? If, well, not if there's, not if there's, there's no, no evidence. evidence. Right. Um, but, you know, I mean, I, I kind of just go, well, um, is, it a, is it a loss if all of a sudden this guy, you know, because he's running against a very liberal Democrat. And so, you know, if we lose a Senate seat, is that worth the integrity of our witness? I, I just am like, no, but people people absolutely think it is. Yeah, for sure. Because so, if it wasn't, it, yeah, because that's just it. It, it. You you reframe the opposition and all of a sudden that looks a lot different. Exactly. You know, and I, and I, I kind of wonder... I'd almost be what I'd almost be interested in a social experiment to go to go into a place with those supporters and be like, hey, let's do this. I'm going to bring up Megan's law in your neighborhood and let's just see what your reaction is, right. <laughs> you know, and like see how you act then, because it's like, well, it's strange that you might be so disgusted that maybe some of your neighbors have been convicted of this thing. But yet you're so quick to go and like get behind this. It's just like. Right. The right. actual emotional conviction is far removed from the ideology. You know, it's just like, well, I'll be, I'll be all in for the ideology and make sure I'm all with that. But like, you know, let's just bury anything I might feel emotional about it because ultimately I supposedly win somehow by suppressing that and ignoring right. like the victims that are related. That just, yep. and that just makes me sick. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the goal isn't to take a side on this, although I'm sure, you know, people can feel like we do or whatever, but. The goal is rather, I think, to keep reframing the conversation so that we become faithful Jesus followers, regardless of whether or not we're a Roy Moore supporter or we're a Roy Moore opponent. Mm -hmm. There are greater things at stake than whether or not we get that Senate seat. Right. And it's simply not worth it. The compromise on any direction, you know? Mm -hmm. um, what, you know, you, there's been a lot of rehashing of Bill Clinton. And as someone who lived through that, you know... Um, the the a lot of rehearsing of man maybe we shouldn't have at least from the left maybe we shouldn't have stuck up for this guy <laughs> um you know and and so it's just an interesting sort of reevaluation but you know for me i'm still the biggest sinner in the room i'm the one most in need of grace and redemption um and so you know i um i i try to tread very gently into these waters but i feel like we have to say something other than just the narratives that are out there so yeah with that, any, any last thoughts, Andy Bear? Um, not eh, not really. I mean, this is it's been a very interesting uh, season in the past, you know, month of this entire, you know, it started with Henry Weinstein and you know Harvey, yeah, Har Harvey. Sorry, and then here we are, you know, and and, it, and how many people have, um, you know, for whether there's evidence against so many of the allegations that will now be uprooted and and tried and all of that but right. it's just i i've just been 
absolutely shocked. You know, and and in in the ways of saying like I'm not surprised as as evil exists in this world, but um, it's quite something. You know, there's yeah. it's it's definitely a very unique time to look at all of that. I mean, for me actually, I was I was sitting there just watching everything coming out on Kevin Spacey, and I was just well, like, yeah. dang! Like every day, it was someone new, someone new, someone new for at least like over a week. You know, and I'm like, yeah. This is insane. And it's 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 wild because you're like, granted, you know, holding out the idea of like, okay, let's hold out maybe the possibility that none of this is true and it's it's some play for other thing. Okay. Granted, on the other side that it is, (laughs) I'm looking at so many of 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 Kevin's um, roles in the movies he's played and you're just like, man, dude, this guy does dark characters like no one's business. And you're like, well, if this is all true, it's. I mean, then there, there's some aspect that isn't acting in all of this. You know, there's yeah. this this yep. touch of reality in which that that exists, and um, man, and that that's when I was kind of like, ooh, that's that's dark, you know. And so, yeah. um, that's been that one has been a little like a very interesting of like evil showing its face on that one for me, like kind of yeah. that particular story. But you know, uh, everything stacked on top of that. I know we haven't really had a chance to go any farther into you know the very large social media campaign with me too that kind of surrounded all that as well and mm-hmm. you know i'm sure we'll get there but um anyhow yep. as far yeah as far as the, the stuff with the uh, roy moore um dang man <laughs> <laughs> yep we'll yeah. see how it goes buddy yep yep so that's all right it. well brothers and sisters uh hope this helps in some small way may the lord bless you and keep you may the lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you And may the Lord lift up his countenance to you. And in these days, please, please, please give us peace. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And until next time. Hey, thanks for listening to the Vox Podcast. Learn more about us at voxpodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter at the Vox Podcast. And now support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash voxpodcast.